the Workforce Connections podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to the WC podcast, where we explore workforce development issues in Southern Nevada. Today, we have a very special guest, a member of the Workforce Connections Legal Consortium, our newly elected vice chair, councilwoman from the city of Las Vegas, one of my bosses and my friend, Olivia Diaz. Welcome. Thank you, Jaime. It's, uh, thank you for the invitation to participate in this fabulous new podcast that we are uh, starting here at Workforce Connections. What do you think about our studio? I love it. I'm like, did you bring the brothers in to put this <laughs> up? Like the ship lab and yeah. very, yeah. very uh, modern. <laughs> it does. Yes. And this also, obviously, this medium, what we're trying to do with podcasting is trying to stay with the times and getting our message out and the platforms that are popular today. So I would never thought I would do a podcast, but here we are. We got to get with it. We got to get with <laughs> it. So I want to get right to, to uh, you know, the conversation with you. You're one of those rare uh, people who were born and raised here in, in this city. You, uh, I can't imagine the change you've seen because I came in 1987 and I've seen a lot of change, but you've seen more. So I, I wanted to kind of ask you, Tell us a little bit about your childhood here in Las Vegas and, and a little bit of that journey of, of becoming not just a state legislator, but now a, a councilwoman and for the, and we're grateful, a member of the Workforce Connections Consortium as well. Wow, that's a loaded question. So I'm <laughs> going to try to not forget everything you just requested I speak to. But first and foremost, I, I just told somebody today that I am a unicorn. Um, there's very few uh, born and raised Las Vegans that sometimes we come across. Um, Las Vegas is a highly transient city, a very welcoming city. We embrace and we take uh, anybody who wants to make Las Vegas home. Um, when I think about my childhood days, I just remember that um, schools uh, were an amazing place for me to be long to, and my teachers made me feel welcomed and loved and encouraged me to just always um, push myself um, and do the best that I could. I could deliver to them in their assignments or in their expectations. And they truly were my mentors in um, growing up here and, you know, coming from a working class family where my dad was a casino porter at Caesars Palace for 35 plus years. Um, I didn't have, you know, in my home environment, people saying college is important to make sure you, um, you know, make that leap and that transition upon finishing high school. And then I, I come of a big family. So I, I, I grew up uh, in a very Mexican household with uh, five other siblings. And, um, you know, the money was tight. We didn't have lots of um, frills. And we had the basic necessities. We had a lot of love. We had a lot of expectations and rules. Um, but I think that's what made me the person that I am today, very community-minded, um, very community driven. And, um, and I think that those teachers were the ones also who mentored me along the way and made sure that I didn't lose my way. And I think that that's why I, I carry out this public service because I feel like I'm still trying to pay it forward, still trying to make sure that our youth feel connected um, and that we are um, behind them and that we support them as well. Um, and then what else did you ask me? Well, I know you're a teacher because uh, one time I asked you to help me with uh, a Spanish project and 
you gave me a really low grade. I had to really work on it. Well, I'm grateful because you made sure I was accurate. But yeah, so you were a teacher. But then what made you decide to seek elected office? Because again, you've been a state legislator and now a, a city councilwoman. Um, it was back in the past recession that we had when the economy took a nosedive in uh, 2007, 2008, um, you know, massive foreclosure crisis, tons of unemployment and loss of jobs. And obviously with the loss of jobs and, and tourism, then there was also a downfall uh, in revenue. And the first place that you feel it is, is in the budgets, right? And so being a teacher and then, you know, 07, 09, they had to start trimming state budgets. And I really saw the impact of having to cut the funding that went to our kids. And then I was comparing the quality of education I got when I was a child to what my students were getting at the time I was in the trenches teaching. I just felt it was not fair. It was not equitable. And uh, that's kind of what made me want to take the leap and want to be an agent of change and trying to bring and restore funding and also um, put education for English language learners on a different trajectory. If you even to today, look at the data and look at the achievement gaps between English language learners and uh, those native speakers, that, that gap hasn't closed significantly. So, you know, it was a plight of mine to make sure that we put things in uh, schools that were going to help benefit our kids that sometimes don't have access to early childhood education. The only time they get exposed to English is in the school setting. So we needed to maximize the learning opportunities for our students. And that's kind of the impetus of why I got into the political arena was to do more for our children, because without them, we're going to be lost in the future. We need strong leaders. And they're our workforce of the future, our children, right? Absolutely. And we see that in you. I think the staff has uh, is really pleased to have you uh, as one of our leaders because the passion comes through. And you already have are nudging us into improving the way we serve youth, and we're grateful for that as well. Again, a few years ago when you became a member of the city council, you were appointed to this consortium and very quickly your peers elected you the vice chair elect which again put you on the secession line uh, now you've moved to the vice chair position and in two years you'll be our chair and leading the organization which again the staff is really grateful for and so in this short journey so far what have you enjoyed about being a member of the leo consortium Oh, I love um, the work that we, the space that we're engaging in and making sure that we're connecting dots. Um, sometimes I, I felt as a state legislator that um, we operate too often in silos. And so, you know, um, I think that's why I got this itch to come to a more local level of, of elected office, because you get to actually be the rubber that hits the road and you get to touch work in a more intimate day-to-day -day way than having to craft broad policy and then punt the ball to somebody else to execute. I love being able to have a say, being able to question, being able to change direction or tweak things along the way, um, because we don't always have all the answers, but I think that when we vet it through multiple experiences and lenses, we come up with the best work product ever. And I'm very impressed that we were winning very, um, you know, high accolades and awards as a Workforce Connections Board. We're very tiny um, in terms of number of folks that are working for you. And I, I just, I see the also the zest, the passion and the, the commitment that all the Workforce Connections staff bring day to day to their, their jobs and their roles. And um, that's to be lauded because, you know, sometimes we get into our jobs and we're just 
doing it every day in and out, kind of as a routine, like a hamster in a wheel. But this type of work, you really have to be all in and want to change the trajectory. And I feel that our work here is so important because um, we could be giving somebody the opportunity to change their economic prosperity for the long term, right? Sometimes people feel like I can only do service industry work, period. I don't have any other skill sets. I don't have any other educational backgrounds or attainment to support me in making the leap to something better. And that's what I love, that we are putting basically the tools in people's hands for a better life for them and their families. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, again, as staff, we feel really supported by by you and the, and the other uh, leaders that govern our agency. And, you know, one of the ways that I think we've done really good work is we are trying to bring these services, these resources closer to where the need is. And hence, we are now in the East Las Vegas Library. And we know there's a lot of need in your ward. And so that's been a win for us because, again, by being in these places like libraries, community colleges, chambers of commerce, we avoid having to pay infrastructure costs like rent, janitorial, electricity. And that means we can serve, use our money to serve more job seekers, help more small businesses. If I was to ask you, you know, of all the need that there is in Ward 3, again, us being there is a step forward. But and I know talking to you, you have a dream of having a training center one day at the east side as well that we want to be a part of. But in what other ways would you envision Workforce Connections supporting the vision of the council to help those residents? I think we have to um, kind of think about how a lot of our folks aren't very sophisticated and, and savvy in navigating systems or knowing that the systems are there to help them. So, for example, um, sometimes our folks go and enroll in these private um, courses to become um, healthcare assistants or whatever the need and the vocation is, mechanics, but they go to the private schools directly um, instead of coming to a one-stop and getting kind of triaged and saying, hey, with a career coach, um, what do you want to do? And then looking at their income, looking at how there are, there is financial assistance to help them be better off instead of then having to foot the entire bill when their resources are so, so scarce. And I think um, any way that we can do it in a diverse way, um, t targeting our younger folks, um, Let's think about all the immigrants that come into Las Vegas where English isn't their second language and there aren't these comparisons um, or these systems uh, back from wherever they came from. And this might be their third U.S. city or this is their first U.S. city, but it's unbeknownst to them, right? So I think it just behooves us to spread the word, make everyone aware, and then just hopefully, you know, que corra la voz, uh, that everybody's recommending Workforce One Stop Career Centers because it really uh, was amazing experience for them and they want everybody and their family to take advantage of it. So I want it to be selling like hotcakes and I want everybody to be more informed about their choices and their options before they get saddled with unnecessary debt. Because we're already, everyone is, it's really hard making it day to day, right? Yeah, and I heard you say something really important that it's a shame that a lot of times people just don't know that these resources exist. So they go and spend, you know, maybe money they don't have, like you said, and get in debt when we are there to serve them. So hence, better access through coming closer to the need. But I also hear you saying 
better outreach. And, and I know we've experienced it because you always tell us where's the flyer in, in another language, not just English, right? And so you're helping us uh, be better that way. And, and Ward 3 is very unique as well. I know every ward is unique in its own way, but can you share with us, did the COVID pandemic impact Ward 3 any differently than the other wards or municipalities in this region? It sure did because, um, you know, an unfortunate reality of my ward is that um, they didn't have the privilege of staying home for the pandemic. They were in those frontline jobs, the very service oriented in-person kind of job, and they were having to go. Um, and if they didn't show up, then sometimes they didn't get compensated or they didn't get paid. They didn't have the privilege of staying behind and working from home during the closure at the comfort of their computer screen because they don't have that skill set um, to allow them to have that kind of a comfort job or a middle-class job. And so, um, one, we had high rates of COVID-19 infections in Ward 3. And then two, um, they were then sent home when the shutdown happened. Um, but then three, they were the first ones to go back again, right? And being exposed and coming down with COVID-19. And so um, that's why I'm so focused on rebuilding back stronger, um, because that means we definitely need to make sure that for those folks that have the opportunity to access the services through our one-stop career centers. Maybe a lot of them during this time said, oh my gosh, I, I'm really not loving the job that I do. And I think that if your heart isn't in it and it's not your vocation and you feel that you could be doing more and your earning potential isn't where it should be for your family, this is an awesome opportunity to get connected with the one-stop career centers and make it a reality and stop just thinking about it, but actually take the steps to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. You just articulated what's happening in our one stops every day where people ask themselves, why aren't the people coming back to work? And you just said some people just have outgrown the jobs they had. They want newer jobs that have that require new skills that pay better, that can help them support their families better. Some people are still, again, as you said, afraid of the impact of the pandemic in their lives, getting the virus, a variant, some other kind of uh, situation. And sometimes we hear also that childcare is an issue still because the pandemic really impacted the, the childcare infrastructure and a lot of people can't afford to to access childcare anymore. It's not nearby them. So there's a lot of factors, I think, why people are not back to work, but you're absolutely right. The one-stop center is the place where you want to come and find those resources to help you move forward in your career. So I know that um, this past year was the first time that you joined us at the NOB conference, the National Association of Workforce Boards. And the year previous to that, we we got, uh, you know, we earned our national award there of the 550 boards. We were awarded um, the Lorraine Moran Partnership Award along with the Vegas Chamber. And so, but tell us a little bit about your experience in D.C. What was it like to see some of your peers, hear best practices from other boards, and be there on the national stage with our local board peers across the nation? Well, it definitely gives you food for thought about great things we're doing here. I know that we went and showcased things that have um, not been um, done in other workforce board um, environments. And so it's always awesome to know that we have uh, best practices happening here in Las Vegas, but there's always room for growth and continued, um, you know, just making sure that we're looking at everything from a holistic approach. One big takeaway for me is how do we break down silos? How do we 
kind of do away with having to apply at so many different points. Like I have to go apply for my um, unemployment in one spot. I have to go apply for uh, food stamp benefits at another point. I have to go up. So I think there's fatigue from folks who are already under stress and duress and hard times. And so a big light bulb came up on my head during that whole time that we were there taking the different workshops is how can we streamline things to be more efficient again for the less savvy sophisticated person so already life is already so complicated and hard for some folks how can we make it easier and how can we kind of um I saw it through some software modeling. How can a, a pathway be developed already for an individual and that they can see themselves on this upward trajectory and we make it easier and then we kind of call them and meet them where they need to be met versus we telling them, go to point A, then go to B, then get a C. And you know, when that happens to us, sometimes we say, say, it's too much. I'm overwhelmed. I don't even want to anymore. So um, that was a big aha moment for me during the conferences, looking at, the technology that may be available. I know it's money, but is the investment going to be sound and worth it if many uh, state agencies come together and work hand in glove? And we as staff love to hear our local elected officials say that because, again, uh, it's through a lot of these funding streams, as you say, or programs are administered not just us, but by cities and counties or the state. And, of course, we don't have the teeth of a local elected official who can uh, like you said, ex use their voice to say, why aren't we doing better? And so the fact that we have a member of the city council see that, understand that, again, it's going to help the organization better partner with those other organizations and deliver what we all should be after is better services uh, for these uh, people in need. And so what, what would you say to the board member, the Workforce Connections board member or Leo Consortium member that's listening? Why should they go to D.C. next year with us? Um, because I, I think there's also the opportunity to just bond and get to know each other more on a personal level, you know, being a city council person, being a county commissioner, being, um, you know, all these individuals that are like Dr. Federico Zaragoza, who's the president of CSN. I mean, we all have a very, very, uh, hefty and responsible roles when we're here in in the valley day in and day out and so sometimes we don't have that time to kind of um network and and get to know each other more so that then we we get to identify things that you know we have in common we share in common our confidence about who you are what you bring to workforce and what i am and what where i'm coming from it just makes the work even more impactful and more and more synergy, right? Like we're all feeling like we're part of the same mission and we're all committed. And um, and then another great thing is when you get to go and meet with your federal delegates, right, um, at the Nevada level, and you get to say, hey, we need your support as much as the federal government can support us with resources, um, the more we can bring back to our people in, in the Southern Nevada region. So um, I think... Anybody who has the opportunity should jump on it because it's never bad to learn yeah. and grow and push the envelope. Good. Well, thank you for that pitch for us because we're going to be approaching members to join us on that trip. And uh, again, I agree with you. I think some of the most important bonding happens. It's different when you're 3,000 miles away from the daily demands of your office, your home, your family. There's just something different about that that happens there. And you come back uh, again as a tighter team understanding uh, 
each other better. And it's just been very rewarding to see those relationships. My, my, my last question would you for you would be regarding what's coming on January 12th. We're going to have our annual strategic planning session. Looking forward to the retreat. Yeah, and we, we know that you're already um, registered. But uh, I remember one of the meetings, perhaps even twice now, the Leo meetings, you said to us, it's great that we you know, reach national accolades and that we're at the top of our game. But you said to us, you know what, if you're not careful, what happens is, you know, you can go down. And so you said to us, I don't want to go down. I don't want to stay the same. I want to keep rising. And so we've taken that to heart. And so we've uh, themed the the January 12 event. Uh, that will be our theme, Rise Up. And so we're going to be talking about with you and the board members, how do we achieve that? How do we take everything we know from the pandemic and our and the strategic direction we're going and the current needs and again, deliver the best services that are needed by our job seekers and our small businesses. So we're looking forward um, to having you there. And uh, hopefully you're looking forward to it as well. Absolutely. I think that, you know, um, the pandemic has been hard on all of us, um, everyone across the board. And it's just nice to go back to spaces where we can actually have these retreats, have these conferences. Um the computer, the monitors, it's just not the same. You don't get that same productivity and just frankness and openness. Um, so I'm looking forward to deep discussions and um, pathways forward. And And I know that uh, I want to be part of the work too. I don't want to just delegate, but let, let me know how I could be a more supportive vice chair as well um, and share in, in the work in the space as much as I can. If anything, we've learned uh, about you is that you know how to roll up your sleeves and, and do the work. And that's what we appreciate, that you are willing to be in the trenches with us, to be innovative, to do pilots that we haven't done. Again, to push the envelope, because if we're too comfortable, then we're not trying hard enough. So I think we've uh, we've gotten to know you a little bit and know that, again, grateful that over the next four years, at least, you're going to be here uh, making us better. So I want to thank you for being here on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank and you for having me. And for me, it's about that sea, you know, the, the, all the sea stars washed on the shore and making a difference for every single one of them, every single one we send back into the ocean, it made a difference to that one. And I think we need to continue to making that, continue to make that difference for as many people as we can. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you in a future one. Until then, stay safe.